All right, we are in Luke chapter 13, and I want you to notice what it says in verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called unto her and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And tonight, I just titled the sermon, Hypocrite. Hypocrite, that is a, a term that we are all familiar with, and I think it's uh, a hypocrite is someone that literally, I think everybody hates a hypocrite. No, hypocrisy is just one of the most repulsive things to everyone. And But what I want to preach about tonight, I'm not so much wanting to like nail the hypocrites tonight as much as I am wanting every one of us to search ourselves to make sure we are not guilty of being a hypocrite ourselves because this is a very easy thing to do. And I want you to notice though why Jesus called this person a hypocrite. So first off, you know, you do, you have a woman who is in a horrible state, who needs help. And what does Jesus do? He looses her from his, her infirmity. And then you have someone come along. You have some stinking Pharisee, which Pharisee has kind of become synonymous with hypocrite today. This is kind of how uh, we, when we think about a hypocrite, you think about a Pharisee, and rightfully so. But he just gets all indignant with Jesus. Six days were allowed to work. You could have healed her on any of those days. Why would you do this? On the Sabbath day, you know, what is, and what's he doing? He's just showing how hardcore he is about keeping the Sabbath. And what did Jesus do, though? Jesus, in this instance, and Jesus was always getting nailed for doing things on the Sabbath day. But in one place, he said, you know, why didn't he just say, you know what? The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. He'd done that before. In another place, you know, he talked about how David, you know, some of the, he, he uh, referenced some of the things that David did on, uh, that was unlawful, how he went and he, you know, ate the bread that were only for the priests that they weren't supposed to eat. And he would, he used kind of biblical examples. But here, what Jesus does when he gets called out for healing somebody on the Sabbath day, he shows an inconsistency in there and how hardcore they were about the Sabbath because he's like, you hypocrite. He said, thou hypocrite. You'll lose your ox and ass and you'll let them go for watering on the Sabbath day. All I did is loose this woman from an infirmity that when Satan's had her bound for years and you're going to get upset about that, you're a hypocrite. If you truly were as hardcore as you're acting right now about the Sabbath day, then you wouldn't be loosing your ox and ass on the Sabbath day. You wouldn't be doing those things. But Jesus didn't even have a problem with the fact that they did that. There was nothing wrong with them watering their animals on the Sabbath. I mean, you need to drink something on the Sabbath. He wasn't mad at them for that, but he was showing an inconsistency there 
that was repulsive. And he calls them out and he calls them a hypocrite. And so the, the term hypocrisy or the definition, it means to sim, it means simulation or to feign to separate, discern, or judge. A simulation of feigning to be what one is not. And that often, whenever we, we're not going to go through the entire definition, but often when we talk about um, hypocrisy is, you know, well, I, I remember I've, I've always heard that it's like a play actor, somebody who's pretending to be something that they're not, which is definitely not wrong. But here's the thing, it, a little more specifically though, in the Bible when it calls somebody a hypocrite, it's not so much because they were, you know, pretending to be like a, you know, some kind of character or whatever, but it's just, it was because of the inconsistency. They're acting like they're righteous because they're real big on this one law, but the reality is they're not righteous because they're wrong on these other things that are of greater importance. They probably weren't lying about how they were on the Sabbath day. I mean, even today, I watched a program about these Orthodox Jews that are non-Zionist non -Zionist Orthodox Jews. And they go and they protest stuff against, uh, against Israel. And they, they side with the Palestinians. And they live over in New York. And it was the Sabbath. And so they're not allowed to use motorized transportation on the Sabbath. So they were going to walk miles to this protest and because it was a sabbath and then the cameraman's going along with them and they're walking all this way and they're like it's not easy being a jew as they're explaining all these things it's like hey listen the sabbath is supposed to be for rest it's not supposed to make your day more difficult if if your sabbath rules are making your day more difficult you're doing the sabbath wrong but again, you know, what do you expect from these people? But it was just funny how nothing's changed. They were literally making people's lives more difficult in Jesus' day with their rules that they came up with for the Sabbath. And so understand the, the problem wasn't that they were pretending to keep the Sabbath when they didn't. The problem is they were pretending they were righteous because of their observance of the Sabbath when they were anything but righteous. And they do that in many different areas. And we'll see some examples of that. And so it is, it's simulation, deceitful appearance, false pretense. And hypocrisy is something that, again, pretty much everyone hates it. But at the same time, it's something if we're not careful, we can be guilty of. You know, why is it that the biggest, you know, free pervert supporters in the world out there often too are very hateful towards the IFB and love to talk about abuse in the IFB? Yeah, these people have proven they don't care about sexual abuse, but they do care when it happens in the IFB. You know why? Because we're real mouthy against it. And so what does that do? That makes them see a hypocrite. And the truth is, you know, any IFB preacher that preaches against perversion is a pervert and is a pervert himself is a hypocrite <laughs> for sure. But again, you know, not ever, not everybody does that kind of thing, but that's one of the reasons we get nailed the most when it happens is because we're vocal against sodomites, we're vocal against adultery and fornication and all these things. So when any kind of perversion happens, you know, within our world, it is a bigger deal. It's always a bigger deal when a preacher falls into sin than it is when a politician falls into sin. You know, and and when a politician falls into sin, it's only the opposing party that cares about it. It's never it's never their own party. And so uh, and and people get repulsed by all that 
because it is, it's hypocrisy. And so most of us probably don't see ourselves as hypocrites because most of the time we associate that word with being a phony or a fake. But the truth is, most hypocrites probably don't know they're hypocrites. In fact, most hypocrites, when it comes to the areas where they're signaling their righteousness, they're probably sincere. They probably really mean it. You know, when they're bashing the other group, you know, for whatever sin that they do that they don't do, they probably really hate that sin. I I believe them. But at the same time, you know, do they have sin in their own life? Are they creaming, you know, the Muslims, for example, and this came up when we were in Muslim territory, soul winning, you know, they will bring up these Christians, you know, they see like all Americans as Christians, and they will bring up our support for the queers. And then they just look and think, you know, how can you people talk about righteousness when you all support queers? You know, look at the way your women dress. You know, half the women in this country aren't wearing half the clothes they should be wearing. And they'll bring up all these things that are completely legitimate. But at the same time, too, you know, in a lot of the Muslim countries where they, you know, throw homos off buildings and things, they often have a ton of pedophiles. And so they do. We hear them talk all down against us in our country. But then it's like, dude, pedophilia is normal in your country. Your, mate, your religion worships a pedophile. And so we don't like hearing that from them. Even though we would agree that our country is wicked for all these things, you know, I really don't want to hear about it from Muslims. You know, until they get their own messes cleaned up, I don't, I don't want to hear about it from them. And so, um, because it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. And I'm telling you, a lot more of us, have, or we have a lot more of this in us then we probably realize it. So in, in this message, this isn't about helping you spot the hypocrites because I think we all naturally know how to do that. Okay? Now, we're not always good at it, but folks, we are programmed to look for hypocrisy, even little kids. Okay? Hannah will often see her older brothers and sisters doing things and she gets upset that she's not able to do it too. And, and it's like, it's hypocrisy in her mind. You know, it's like, why, you know, why, why are Tommy and Jason and Abby able to stay up late, but I have to go to bed early. It's just like, well, there's a big difference, you know, when you, between 21, 20 and 18 year olds, than then a two year old. But, you know, so again, they're not good at it, but they're seeing their older brothers and sisters do things that they would like to be able to do. And they do. They're always calling foul unfair and we've all dealt with that before and they have to actually learn what's fair but we are we're programmed to just kind of see these things and so um when it comes to uh when it comes to hypocrisy well another definite another word i want us to look at too another word for hypocrisy is simulation or the act of feigning to be that which is not the assumption of a deceitful appearance or character Simulation differs from dissimulation. The former denotes the assuming of a false character. The latter denotes the concealment of the true character. Both are comprehended in the word hypocrisy. And we see the word dissimulation in the Bible. And again, that's the act of dissembling, a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning, false pretension, hypocrisy. And dissimulation may be simply concealment of the opinion, sentiments, or, or purpose, but it includes also the assuming of a false or counterfeit appearance, 
which conceals the real opinions or purpose. Dissimulation among statesmen is sometimes regarded as a necessary vice or no vice at all. So that's what it says in the dictionary. But in Romans 12, 9, it says, let love be without dissimulation. It needs to be real. And if we're not careful, we can be fake without even realizing we're being fake. Again, sometimes people are fake on purpose, trying to deceive. Sometimes people are fake just because of their you know, wicked, sinful human nature and they don't even realize they're doing it, and that's not good. We don't want to be fake on purpose. We don't want to be fake on accident. We don't want to be a hypocrite on purpose. We don't want to be a hypocrite on accident. A hip- hypocrisy is bad. Being a hypocrite is very ineffective. And Jesus often, I mean, Jesus called out the hypocrisy all the time. He was constantly nailing these people for being hypocrites. And so here, here's why this is something we need to watch out for. Because notice that it was a Pharisee I mean, he dared to look down on Jesus. I mean, that's how bad these people were. They looked down on Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the standard of righteousness. But then, notice how Jesus called out the hypocrisy in what he was saying. He showed an inconsistency there in what he was saying. And so, something we need to understand about hypocrisy is, one, Jesus said to beware of it. Jesus said to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy. We're supposed to watch out for that. Why? There are some doctrines, there are some teachings that you know are very clearly noted, that we understand, but there are some that can easily creep in. There are things that we need to be on constant watch of, on constant guard for, and when it comes to hypocrisy, that is one of those things. We can allow our doctrine to become very hypocritical. If we're not careful, we don't, and we don't want that to happen. And if it is, because if, if it's, if it's leaven or it's, you know, leaven and false doctrine is something that spreads. It's something that is bad. Our morals and behaviors and our feelings about the behavior and morals of others is based off our doctrine, isn't it? Again, now let's, let's just go ahead and talk about some people we don't like tonight. Since it's June, we'll talk about the, you know, who's okay. And, and, it's, it's one of the reasons that we are the way we are against them is because of our morals. It's because of our doctrine. We believe that we have Bible that supports our very negative feelings that we have towards them. Okay? Now, without a doubt, we should have very hostile feelings towards that type of sin. But it's also important that we have that without hypocrisy. Let's not be against these sins and let's not be all down on a group of people while being hypocrites at the same time. Let's not allow our, you know, you know, hardcore position that we have against the Sodomites to cause us to start getting the leaven of hypocrisy in our doctrine. That is something that is very likely to happen. It is something that is very dangerous and we need to watch out for it. There's some, we do not want to be Hypocrites, And so, while Jesus was really good at calling out hypocrisy, we need to understand even sinful people are good at seeing hypocrisy. People can see it. And it is. Isn't it frustrating when you're out soul winning and people are bringing up, you know, all the hypocrisy that's in Christianity? I mean, was it, was it fun listening to those Muslims say all that stuff about Americans and Christians? And it's just like, you don't want to hear it, but it's just true. 
I mean, the hypocrisy is off the charts in this country. And so the leaven of hypocrisy, you could say, is when our priorities aren't balanced. Now, look what it says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 33. Jesus did a lot of name calling in this chapter. He, he, and hypocrites was a name that he brought up a lot. But look what he said here. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So notice, what does he call them? Scribes and Pharisees, which is what they actually were. Those weren't even insults. But then he says, hypocrites. Okay? Now, why are they hypocrites? Because they're paying all these tithes of mint and anise and cumin, meaning they're, you're tithing on the smallest thing. I mean, you get anything, you're tithing on that, which that's fine, that's good, but you're omitting weightier matters of the law. There's more important things than tithing on these small things. There's judgment, there's mercy, there, there's faith. These are more important. Who cares if you're tithing on these things if you're not right on these more important things? You know what that makes you? A hypocrite. A hypocrite because of that. He goes on to say, ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Hey, who wants to swallow a gnat? I mean, I've been, we've had these little moths around our house. I swallowed a few of those last week. I don't want to swallow little moths. Okay, it's gross. I know the environmentalists want us to eat bugs. I don't want to eat bugs. Okay? But let me tell you, while you're fine not trying to, you know, trying to get the gnats out of your drink, you know, who cares if you're swallowing a camel? And that is, that's a great mental picture right there. But again, you know, what's, Jesus is making a point. You're a hypocrite. Straining at gnats while swallowing camels. Meaning, there's bigger, more important things that you ought to be worried about. You all are worried about all these tiny little things that don't even really matter. And then you're wor- but then you're ignoring the camel in the cup. Or the elephant in the room, as we like to say. You know, that, and that would, be, that would be weird if... You were in somebody's house and there literally was an elephant in the room, but they were freaking out about a fly on the wall or something. So I, th- I think you got bigger problems than that fly on the wall. And so he says, thou blind, or uh, says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. I mean, really what's more important, the inside of the container or the outside? It's the, I, I prefer both of them to be clean. But you know what? If I have a cup, I'd rather it be dirty on the outside than on the inside because what I'm going to drink comes from the inside. And yet, but they were hypocrites because they're doing all these things on the outside while ignoring things on the inside. They weren't wrong for taking care of things on the outside, but they were hypocrites because they ignored the things on the inside. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So right there, that's what hypocrisy is. When your priorities are not balanced, when you are making a huge deal out of this little thing while you're ignoring actual big things, that makes you a hypocrite when you do that. And any of us are in danger of falling into something like that where we can start doing that kind of thing. And we'll see some examples here in a little bit. 
But here's what we got to understand. Our priorities are often self-serving. We often, we often do. We make a really, you know, it's easy for us to be down on, you know, completely repulsive, disgusting, unnatural sins. That's easy. I mean, it's so easy to be against homosexuality, but then when it comes to, you know, things that we like, all of a sudden we get real merciful. All of a sudden we're real, we'll judge not. And that's hypocrisy when we do that kind of thing. That's not right. Romans 2.1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. You shouldn't go judging other people when you're doing the same things. Now, here's the question. Are they doing the exact same things or does he mean you're doing things that are equivalent? Okay, and that's pretty much all there is to it. You know, you're doing things that are equivalent. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do, this, which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? So, you, listen, if, if you're doing the same thing they are, you're going to get the same judgment they're getting. Okay? And you're inexcusable. That's hypocrisy to do that kind of thing. And so, while it's crystal clear that some sins are worse than others. And, and we already proved that from what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23. And there's many other places we could go to in the Bible. We need, it, we need to make sure we have proper understanding about the seriousness of different sins. Okay, And so, because every, everyone on the planet, and this is what we got to get a hold of about ourselves. Okay? This is where I think this would be good for you to just reflect a little bit this week and i have a goal that i'm hoping will help everybody uh with this message today but everyone on the planet has a doctrine or a structure you could say of what sins are the worst right because again you know we do we have sins that we think are really bad but you know here's the question whose structure resembles the bible the most right because again, the Muslims look down on our country for the way our women are, because of the way the women dress. They look at all the perversion that we allow, but again, they're okay with pedophiles. So guess what? We don't feel bad because of what the Muslims think. You know, the Sodomites, Sodomites look down on Christians because we're homophobic and believe in God. And, and we're just the most terrible people in the world because of that. And guess what? YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they all agree with them. They can say whatever they want about Christians. We say something about them, we get canceled. We get kicked off. We get on the news for stuff like that. So, the, you know, just so you all know, most of the world agree, or a lot more of the world agrees with them. I guess all the people in power agree with them. <laughs> the news media, the big tech companies. But they do. They look down on us and act like we're the most terrible people in the world. The Republicans... They look down on Democrats, you know, because of, you know, perversion, because their abortion they support. But then Democrats, they look down on Republicans for being racist and destroying the environment, denying women health care, meaning they can't butcher their babies, stopping kids from having gender affirming surgeries. That sounds so much better than castration, doesn't it? And, you know, mutilation and all that kind of stuff but they do they look down they and they they virtue signal they act like they are the most kind wonderful loving people because they're not like us 
Everybody's got a structure. Pentecostals, they look down on Baptists because we show our arms and let our ladies show their arms and some of their legs and they wear makeup and you know all that kind of stuff. And they look down on us, but we look down on them because they speak in tongues and have women preachers. And, you know, we've always got the one up on everybody. At least we're right on the gospel. <laughs> you always got the one up on everybody because that. But every every race, religion, and here's the thing about that. Yeah, we're right on the gospel, but at the same time, too, the people that are wrong on the gospel, they all act like we're promoting sin and giving people license to sin because of what we believe. And that's not even true, but they all accuse us of that. It's like, man, look how good we are. At least we're still afraid of going to hell and are scared to death. And, and so we're actually not going to kill people and you know, rape and all that stuff that we would do if we believed once saved, always saved. Doesn't that freak you out when people say that? If I believe once saved, always saved, I just go get saved and then I just go do all these terrible things. It's like, stay away from me. You're, you're, you're a terrifying individual. But again, they think they're better than us because of that. Every race, religion, political group on the planet has some form of rules or structure that they've created to make them better than everyone else. Even atheists have it. Even atheists who do not believe in a God, who do not believe in the Word of God, they all have these principles that they, you know, they, you know, they, they get mad at us for preaching morality from the Bible, but then they just have a morality from their atheist religion where you can't be sexist, bigot, homophobe, all that kind of stuff. You know, and you know, against the environment and you're the worst person in the world if you do. But we do, we, we, we all come up with rules that make us better than everybody else. Hey, how many of y'all remember those, the first electronic Bibles you used to be able to get? I forgot the company that made those. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. They, I used to have one of those Bibles like that. I thought they were so cool. You could search up any scripture like that. You kids, you have no idea. This was back in the day. It was like a dinosaur thing. But I used to have a baseball encyclopedia of one of those things, the same place that made it. And I remember Ryan Sandberg was my favorite player. And you could like look up stats and all these players. And I used to do this thing. I always wanted like Ryan Sandberg to be on the top just because he was my favorite guy. So you had ways, you, but you know, he wasn't really the number one on very many things. So what you could do is you could narrow the search. Like you could like players in between 19, you know, 90 and 1995. And, you know, you could, uh, players with, who weighed this amount or players who played within this position. And I would just play around with that as a kid. And I would like figure out how I could put him as number one in the standings of everything. And we do the same thing. That's, that's what we do. We always want to be better than everyone else. So we kind of come up with these rules where there might be another church out there that puts us to shame in an area. But what do we do? Well, at least we're better than them in this area. And instead of just letting that motivate us to get better in this one area, what do we do? We start making a really big deal about that one area where we're better. You know, and then a lot of times too, you know, then we start ignoring the area where we're being challenged or we downplay that kind of thing. And that's not right. That's hypocrisy, but that's what people do. And the simple fact, it is never good or profitable to find comfort or to find motivation based on how we measure up to other people. That is always wrong. And it's, you know what? It's always hypocritical to do that kind of thing. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 
In our, in our world, often when people virtue signal through their hatred of reprobates or hatred of those who muddy up the gospel, it's real easy for us to prove we're better than everyone based on the gospel because it's the most important thing and we're solid on that. But did you know that if we're, if we're using the gospel to kind of create this structure so we can measure ourselves among ourselves, did you know that's still hypocritical in the eyes of a holy God? Now, it might make us feel good amongst ourselves, but this is not right. In the eyes of a holy God, we all have issues. We all have problems. And just like we often are aggravated and repulsed at people who are critical of others when they have major problems themselves, you know, when people are critical of somebody else's kids when their kids are terrible, when people are critical of somebody else's marriage when their marriage is terrible, that's repulsive. We hate that kind of thing. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, you know I've had people before that have like been critical of my marriage and it's just like, and, and, you know, and, and the people criticizing me are people whose wives have left them before and they've had all kinds of horrible problems and I'm just like, Dude, who are you to say anything about this? Do you realize what a mess you're in? Do you realize how bad your situation is? And you're going to talk about my situation? Now, here's the thing. Let's just say there was some truth to what they were saying about me and my wife. Just because my marriage is so much better than the person criticizing me, does that now mean I don't have any problem at all or that I shouldn't fix any problems that I do have? No, if I got a problem... Ought to do something about it. Ought to fix it. But it's real easy for us to just look at that problem they have in their life and let that be an excuse to cause us to ignore actual problems that we have. And folks, any time we measure ourselves among each other, guess what? We're always going to be able to find a way to make ourselves feel good. Okay? Not trying to be mean. Okay? Just using examples of hypotheticals here. But if there's ever an area of my life where Aaron's making me feel bad about my life, you know what? I'll be able to find some area where I'm better than him. You know? And if character and all that fails, I can always just say looks or something. You know? I mean, I'm just kidding. Just is that funny? But that, do you realize that's what we do? That's not right. Maybe the Lord wants me working on this area in my life. And the truth is, we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to Christ. And if we're comparing ourselves to Christ, you know, we're always going to be at least and we're and we're doing something about it. We're always going to be moving forward and getting better. But the problem is we're always comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. And the Bible says that's not wise. And at the end of the day, there's always going to be some hypocrisy because, again, anybody that is criticizing something or somebody that we don't like, we are so good at finding something wrong with them, aren't we? We know how to do it when it comes religiously. We know how to do it with preachers. We know how to do it with other families. We know how to do it with politicians. And as a, and, but because we're always staying focused on those things, we never actually take care of any problems. And we should be where we are. We should prioritize what we prioritize and feel the way we feel about something based on our relationship with God and how He feels about things. And, he, and so here's the, when it comes to you hating on certain sins, do you hate on those things because you need to hate on these people to make you feel better about yourself? Or are you hating on those things, you know, because you just have a close relationship with God 
and you like the things that he likes and you hate the things that he hates. Okay? Now, now, we all want to say that's why. Okay? I'm not asking anybody to confess anything, all right? We're not going to do a show of hands. We're not going to take an invitation afterwards to, to check up. But I'm just telling you to be honest with yourself. When it comes to the things you hate, do you hate these things to make you feel better about yourself? Or is it because you are on the same page with God? And you know, if we were all real honest with ourselves, sometimes it's probably because we need to feel better about ourselves. And so it's easy to hate on these things. Folks, that's not good. And that's why too, in the Bible, when God's often calling out this kind of thing, it's not because God is trying to send out this message that all sins are equal. Okay, that's just dumb. There's so much Bible that shows some sins are worse than others. Some require greater judgment than others. There's greater consequences. Okay, I'm not even going to preach it to you because you all know that. But in the Bible, the verses that people use to prove that all sins are just the same and it doesn't matter one sin to another and so we just shouldn't judge anybody. No, they are taking passages where God is wanting to somebody to see their sin. God is wanting to fix somebody and fix an area in someone's life, but they are they can't see it because they're so focused on all these other things. That's what Jesus' problems with the Pharisees were. It wasn't all these areas where they were doing things good. That wasn't where his problem was. The problem that he had is that they didn't see all these areas where they were doing bad. And Jesus was trying to fix the Pharisees. He was trying to fix the people that he was dealing with. And we need to make sure we're not in a situation where God's trying to deal with us. God's trying to work on us. But we can't even see where we're wrong. We can't even see where we have a problem because we're so focused on these areas where we're doing things good. We're so focused on these other people who are doing really bad in the areas where we're doing real good. And in the meantime, God's just trying to wake us up sometimes and say, Hey, listen, I'm glad you're doing good in these areas. But can you see that you need to fix this other area too? That this is the problem too? You need to, you need to take care of this. Great. I'm, I'm glad you're against the reprobates. I'm glad you hate all that stuff. But you know what? I still need you to be a good husband. I still need you to be a good father. I need you to be a good provider. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that you're not a pervert. I'm glad you're not out there, you know, you doing all these terrible sins and committing homosexuality and things like that. But I don't want you doing these other things too that you know, maybe aren't as bad. And God's trying to fix things in our life, but we're not, we're not seeing those things. And often we do, we, we can make so much noise about certain sins and about other groups that we can never even see anything that's wrong with ourselves. And God's just like, hey, you hypocrite. Stop making all this noise in this one area so you can hear me while I try to fix you in this other area. And I'm telling you, if we do, if we're focusing on people, if we're comparing ourselves among ourselves, we can feel great about ourselves, but the Bible says that's not wise. We're supposed to be looking at Christ. And let me tell you, when people get close to God or get a good look at God, you know what? They're usually more concerned about themselves than they are everyone else. Now listen, I'm going to show you some examples here. These people we're going to look at, when they got close to God and they saw how sorry they were, they didn't just start feeling good about other people's sins. You know, no, they, but they, they just weren't even thinking about it because they were worried about the one they could take care of. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face. 
With twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, after these seraphims are crying, holy, holy, holy. They're not crying out about the power of God, and he had a lot of power. They're not crying out about the goodness of God, and he has a lot of goodness and a lot of mercy and all the wonderful attributes. They're crying out about the holiness of God. And that's what he's experiencing. That's what he's getting a taste of right now. And when he got a taste of the holiness of God, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I don't have everything together like I thought I did. You know, and if you go and you read earlier in the book of Isaiah, you know what he's doing? Woe unto Israel. Woe unto Israel. Israel stinks here. Israel stinks there. But then when he gets in that presence of a holy God, you know what he said? Woe is me. He was right about all the stuff he said about Israel. But Isaiah, he had some areas that he needed to work on in his life. And when he got in the, in the presence of God, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So notice, when Isaiah got in the presence of God, he got worried about himself. He said, Woe is me. You know why? Because in that moment, he's comparing himself to God. And he realized he was in bad shape and he specifically mentioned his unclean lips. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, after the miracle where uh, Peter ends up catching a bunch of fish, it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter was embarrassed to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And he's like, just get away from me. And he wasn't saying this as a sign of disrespect. He was ashamed to be in the presence of Jesus Christ because of his sinfulness. He saw his sinfulness in there. Job chapter 42. Job, this perfect upright man, one that feared God, has chewed evil after he gets run through the ringer and has three miserable comforters that come along and nag him like crazy and his wife that nags him like crazy. And he's to the point where he wants to die and he says a few things he shouldn't have said. But no, after God speaks to him for a few chapters, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He abhorred himself. Some of us, we think we're getting more spiritual because of our growing hatred of other people. And again, we ought to hate sin. But you know what? If you get close to God you're going to start hating on yourself a little bit. You're going to be like, man, I need to get closer to God. In, in Romans 2.21, says, Thou therefore, which teachest another, uh, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? You know, in my experience, the people who go overboard condemning everyone always end up turning out to be the most wicked people themselves. This is the way it is. The people that are the most condemning always end up being the worst people. And so you're teaching people not to steal. Do you steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. For circumcision, now watch it. This is why he's been saying all this stuff. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. 
But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. He's saying all this because it's like, hey, you're going and you're telling all these people they're not saved because they're not keeping the law, meaning they're not circumcised, but you don't keep the law either. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you're, you're not keeping the law either. And so to watch this, because we all know this verse, he says, because he says, circumcision only profits if you keep the whole law. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. What's he saying right here? Hey, listen, this isn't in, you know, just about saved versus unsaved, you know, the spiritually circumcised versus the physically circumcised. What he's just trying to show here, he's calling out the hypocrisy. You're telling people they have to keep this one law when the reality is you're not keeping the law yourself. You want to know who the actual Jew is. It's the one who has the circumcision of the heart. It's one who has the real thing. It is one who's saved, but it's one who's genuine. It's one who believed on Christ. Not one who's just putting on a front and just acting like it. No, that one who has it in the heart. And let me tell you something. Hypocrites, when it comes to their areas where they condemn, while they often are the most hardcore, while they often have the most extreme positions, did you know it's not really in their heart? They don't really believe it. It really isn't a core belief. It's just a convenient thing. It's a convenient thing for them to feel good about themselves, to put down everyone else. And so here's the thing. You know, whenever you hear a sermon like this, whenever you bring up these things, people often act like you're just telling people they can never call out any sin. And I don't want anyone to think I'm doing that. We, that's not it at all. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be against anything. Obviously, there are a lot of things we ought to be very much against. But here's what I'm trying to say is typically when somebody goes overboard on things like the Pharisees did, what, what we're really saying is just call out sin, but don't be a hypocrite. Let it be real. Let it be from the heart. If you really, truly do hate that sin, like you say, go ahead and talk about it. But if you're just, if you feel like you need to say it to prove something to everyone, you know, just shut up. You know, just shut up. If you don't really mean it, don't say anything about it. I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to hate the homos like I'm supposed to, but I don't you know, I'm just not really feeling it. I watch too much Will and Grace or something like that. Well, hey, you know, stop watching Will and Grace and, you know, just when you feel it, then say something about it. Don't fake it in the meantime. And it's like you do, you have these people, it's like, you know, you, you'll have, and some people are, they're just very gentle natured. And I mean, it's going to be hard for them to hate anything. But then it's like, they'll go on Facebook or something and they'll just say the most extreme things in the world. That's like, that doesn't even sound like your personality. Like there's some people out there that are very hardcore and extreme in what they say, but that's just like who they are. They have a very intense personality. They're just an extreme person. And then you have other people 
They don't, they don't really seem to care about anything. I mean, you could tell them a nuke's heading this way, we're all going to blow up. and be like, ah. But then they get on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, I hope everybody dies, and, you know, everyone's a reprobate, and I hate them with the perfect hatred. I think you're just saying that. Just, listen, call out sin, but don't be fake. Just be real. And when you're, when you're, re- when you're real, you'll be balanced. When you're real, you'll be balanced. You'll just naturally be balanced. But, you know, in the meantime, if you're just not exactly sure what to say, it's okay to just not say anything. It's okay to just not say anything. And and trust me, you know, during the month of June, all the stuff we're going to be saying, we're right. We're right. But if you're not completely convinced yet, you know, it's okay. Just, you know, hang out, listen, you know, learn. You'll figure it out. You know, you'll, you'll figure it out and you'll, you'll eventually, but in the meantime, you don't have to say anything. And at the end of the day, because, and here's why I say this too, why it's important for people to just watch themselves in these areas is because hypocrites always do more harm than good to their cause. They, they do. The Pharisees, they were right about many of the things that they condemned, but the fact is any truth they spoke lost its effectiveness through all the lies and the wickedness that was in their lives. Documentary just came out about the Duggars. You know, there's a lot, you know, a lot of things the Duggars promote were good and right, but because of major hypocrisy, because of major areas uh, where they came short and were wrong, the, the way of truth is evil spoken of. And it's just like, you know, when, I, when everything came out about what was going on with Josh, the thing that just made me so upset about that whole thing is just like, why would you let them make a reality TV show promoting all these values and things about your, about your family when you knew you had that kind of stuff going on? Why didn't you just say, you know what, we're going to pass? You know, it, it's okay to just admit you're not as great as people think you are sometimes. It's okay. It's okay to do that. We're we're not as listen. Again, you know, yeah, there's people out there that watch me online, and definitely thought I was greater than I was. I'm pretty, you hear some of the things they say, and it's just like, okay, are you just trying to flatter me, or are you stupid? Because uh, I know that's not. I know that's not true. But you know, never never believe the press. We're not that great. And what we need to do is get close to God and let Him fix whatever needs fixed in our life. And let's not be hypocrites. Let's not be hypocrites. Be against sin. Call these things out, but just don't be a hypocrite. You'll always do more harm. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was, was clear and was a help to everyone. Lord, I pray you'll help us to have a, a true uh, righteous indignation in our life when it comes to the evils of this world and of sin. But Lord, I pray that it will not be one that's motivated by a desire to lift ourselves up and put others down and make ourselves feel good, but it will be motivated by uh, a love for you and a desire to be like you. And I pray that we will uh, have balance in these areas and that we won't get so noisy calling out other people's sins that we can never hear you when you try to deal with sin in our lives. And I pray you'll help us in these areas. In your name we pray. Amen.